Whatever comes my way. Seen a warrior in the valley. We saw a faithless voice, uh, whenever or a faithful voice, when everyone else around him was being faithless. We've seen um, already two instances of a man that it didn't matter uh, what was standing in his path. He was going uh, through faith uh, to conquer it in the name of God. And this morning we see what the key to his success was. Um, no doubt from beginning to end, this man lived a remarkable life of faith, a remarkable life of victory and accomplishment, and even to the moment that he died, even after his death, the Bible says that Israel continued to serve the Lord even as long as those who served Joshua lived. So even after Joshua had died, there was this, there was this presence and, and continued faithfulness to God simply by the people that served under Joshua. He was a remarkable man. And here in the middle of this series, we get to see really what was the key to his success. And I believe that if this series is just informing you about an awesome man in Scripture, if, if all this is doing is giving you more answers on your Bible trivia, then really we've lost the purpose of this. It's not just to inform us in here, but to transform us in here. That's the job. It's not just to fill our mind with facts and better stories and, and be able to answer tough questions. But beyond that, it's hopefully going to transform us as we understand that the same God who worked in Joshua desires and delights to work in us. The same God that moved mightily through the hand of Joshua, the son of Nun, still delights to move mightily through the, through the lives of us as ordinary folks as well, all for His glory and praise. And I want to show you, this, this to me uh, highlights the key to Joshua's success. And I want to read the first nine chapters, first nine verses. Some of you were grabbing your flotation device. The, some of you were like, uh, a stewardess? The first nine verses of the first chapter of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Have we heard that before? I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. End it right there. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, one of the things that kind of jumps out to me whenever I read or prepare or reread through Joshua in my own time is how much that first chapter of Joshua really sounds a lot to me like the promises of Christ in the New Testament, especially uh, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, especially uh, the Great Commission of our Lord. These words that God gave Joshua were not just for Joshua, but for us also as well, given to us by Jesus Christ, for the work that is to be done, for His glory. He promised He would never abandon us, He would never orphan us, that we would never be without His presence, that He would always uh, be there to guide us and to work out His perfect will um, throughout our lives. So when I look at Joshua, I see that he has something that we also had. But before I get into the promises and really break those down, I want us to notice something. And this is really the first thing about Joshua, is he knew who he was to God. He knew who he was to God. He understood his identity in God. Now let me tell you, there is a real issue uh, today, and, and we could say that it's always been the case, but it really seems to rear its head as of late, that, that many are suffering from an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They know who everybody else tells them they are, but they don't know who they are. They don't know their identity. And Joshua knew that. Joshua had a good understanding, even from this text, of who he was to God. Now, for those of you that are note-takers, you may want to jot down Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27 is where God says, This is the man I'm choosing to be the successor to you, Moses. In Numbers chapter 27, that's when Joshua is taken apart from the rest of the people and he is commissioned, he is anointed in front of Eleazar, the priest, and all the people of Israel. So he has already recognized that he has been chosen by God for a specific purpose. In a few weeks, a couple months from now, I'm going to be sharing with you about what our purpose is. That's a question I get all the time as a pastor. God, I don't know what my, what my purpose is in life. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe some of you struggle with that. And the simple, quick answer is this. God's purpose for you is to bring glory and honor to His name. That's it. God's purpose, God's plan for you, ultimately the end game is that you would bring glory and honor to His name. That you would make much of Him. That you would reflect the glory and the greatness of God back to the praise of His name. Now, that can be fleshed out in a lot of different ways. We can specifically plan to flesh that out. And God has a specific way that we can do that. But the end game is that we would give glory and honor and praise. Joshua understood exactly who he was. But let me share with you just a few things from the text and from the life of Joshua that may give us an indicator to some of the reasons why God was saying what he was saying. Notice he says several times, actually three times in our text, in verse 6, he says, be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. What does he say in verse 9? Be strong and of a good courage. Why would God tell this man three times, back to back almost, why would he tell this man three times to be strong and courageous? Anybody know? 
I'm not going to wait for an answer. I'm on a clock, okay? I believe God was telling him three times, be strong and courageous because he was afraid. Guys, this is a huge thing that God is doing. Now all the, the, genera- the previous generation of the Israelites have all left their corpses in the, in the ground in the desert as they wandered. This is the new generation that is coming up. They're getting ready to go into the land and God is saying, I want you to pass this Jordan. I want you to take all of those people and yourself and go into the land that I promised you. God is giving him, uh, knowing that there are enemies in there also, God is laying this huge responsibility down on the shoulders of Joshua. And no doubt, whenever we're faced with difficult Difficulty, when we're faced with this huge, uh, this huge new life change, life direction, when we're faced with the enemies that we're marching towards, when we're facing difficulty and, 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 and uh, crossroads in, the, in the, the Jordan River, when we're facing all of these things, it's only natural for us to maybe be timid, for us to be afraid. You see, Joshua is not following, following a failed leader. Joshua is not following a man who didn't know what he was doing. Joshua is following a man by biblical and historical accounts was a dynamic, great leader. He's following one of the best. No doubt that fear and insecurity could definitely be one of the reasons why God was saying, be strong and courageous. Great difficulties lied ahead. Notice what God said, go over this Jordan. Now, God's not saying there are two Jordans and I want you to go over this one, not that one. Here's something great about what God's saying. When God is telling Joshua, cross this Jordan, which represented the border, the line that they were crossing into the promised land. For those of you that may not know, at that season, at that moment, the Bible says that the Jordan had overflowed its banks. It was during harvest time and it was flooded. Joshua is now hearing from God. Joshua, you're here at point A, and I'm calling you to take all of these people across this Jordan, this flooded, raging Jordan River. Sometimes lack of self-esteem, insecurities, difficulties can affect us from being effective vessels for the work of God. A great responsibility also was laid on his shoulder. He says, I don't want just you to cross this, Jordan, but I want you to do it with all of these people. You are responsible for getting all of these people across the Jordan and into the land so that they could inherit it and have and live in the promise that I promised in Genesis chapter 12, 14, 15, and 17 to them. This is, the, this is it, Joshua. You have great difficulty lying ahead. You may be sad, you may be uh, a bit insecure because of the position you have, because of the man who went before you. And you may, Joshua, realize that this is a great responsibility, but God never says turn around. God never says think about it. God says go forward. And I want to share one last thing with you. If you look, notice he says all this people. You and all of this people. You know what I find a lot of times is that it's not necessarily the great uh, difficulties that keep people from taking that leap of faith to be or to do what God has called them to do. It's not typically that they don't understand what they're supposed to do or what God's called them to. 
And it's not always the, the weight of the responsibility, though that comes up sometimes. What I find time and time again is that one of the things that hinders God's people from really moving forward and living in the promise and in the purpose with the provision of God is this, that oftentimes we cannot get past our feelings of inadequacies or our previous failures. You ever been there before? Felt as though you had failed before in an attempt to serve God or maybe without serving God, you were just a failure in other areas of your life? Now I told you, Joshua is faithful in that whatever came his way, he did it. But do you remember last week's message? When Joshua was one of the twelve that came back from the land of Canaan and spied it out. Joshua and Caleb said, it's a good land. God is definitely able to give it to us. Be faithful. Joshua and Caleb came back with a very different message than ten of the other twelve spies. In fact, the ten of the other twelve spies were saying, if we go into that land, we're going to die. Joshua was one of two voices that said, this is the promise of God and God will bring it to pass. Ten others said, can't do it. And I don't know. I wonder. You see, God was calling Joshua to be a leader of a bunch of people. And I can't prove this, but I wonder if in Joshua's mind, he's thinking, God, you're calling me to lead all of these people when I couldn't even convince ten others to move forward. God, you're wanting me to lead all of this innumerable multitude of Israelites across this Jordan into that place, and I could not even convince ten other men that the land was good. I don't know if that went through his mind. I don't know. But I know in my mind, if, if I place myself in Joshua's situation and understand the difficulty and the responsibility and the awesome leader that I was stepping into his shoes, if I saw that, I would probably think, yeah, the last time I had to lead anybody, I lost that battle. They wouldn't even follow me. They wouldn't even listen to my voice of faith. I couldn't even lead ten people to choose the decision of faith. And now God's calling me to lead all these people. Maybe in your life you're allowing your previous failures. Maybe your own, own understanding of who you are or your inabilities to hinder you. One of the things I love, I love this, and I hope you do too. When I read the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, it makes no difference. When I read church history, when I read Christian biographies, I find that some of the people that did some of the greatest things for the kingdom of God were not the most talented. They were not the most equipped. They did not have the stellar resumes. They were ordinary people who all had one thing in common. One thing. And that despite their inadequacies, despite their poor resumes, despite their previous failures, they would trust wholeheartedly and completely in the one who called them, commissioned them, and equipped them. All of the people. All of the heroes of faith. All of the heroes of history. For the kingdom of God had that one thing in common. 
They were willing to understand who their identity was in God. Who they were to God. And let me tell you, when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter what I think about you. Ultimately, in the whole larger picture, it doesn't matter what your friends think about you or who your identity is to certain people. What truly matters, the most important one of all, is who are you to Christ? Who does God say you are and if god says you are somebody folks you better believe it live in that promise or correct what needs to be corrected as god declares who we are in him i want to show you the second thing that not just our identity in christ can help us be successful in life but it says in verses three through six god goes through some great promises Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. If you're jotting things down, maybe even in the margin of your Bible, you may want to jot these four words down, because I believe that these were four very important words that were applied to Joshua's situation. And knowing that this is not just a lesson in history, but it is also a lesson in theology for us, I believe these four words are also given to us. And the first one is this. You may jot this down. Property. Property. God didn't say all the world is yours. God said this is the border of the land I'm giving you. Now, even though I'm not speaking about real estate this morning, I think I can make that development in the, in the thought process to say that God has given us some spiritual property. God has given us some spiritual acreage in which we can live. And he's reminding Joshua, this is the size, these are the boundaries of which I am calling you to live and to inhabit. And God has given us the same thing. And it's important in life, in our life, that we understand what is that spiritual acreage that God has placed out there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says that all the promises in Christ are yes. All of the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Him, amen. That's what the Scripture says. Paul's writing to a very defeated, carnal church. And yet in the midst of their carnality, in the midst of their sin, in the midst of the discourse that was going on in there, the Apostle says this, all of the promises of God in Christ are yes, saying here, Take all of the promises and live in them. Take all of the promises that God's word has and dwell in them. First word is property. The second is protection. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Let me remind you that Joshua did die. It does not mean that God's hand of protection is always going to keep us from our presence with him in heaven. We all die. The Bible says it is appointed for man once to die. But I do promise you this, that all of God's promises and providence are always related to his purpose. God's promises and providence are always related to his purpose. You know what God's saying to Joshua in light of that truth? Joshua, you're not going to die before this work is done. 
Now think about this. Joshua, there's no enemy that's going to rise up against you and take you before I'm done with what I've called you to do. Now guys, isn't that a great thought? As a believer, to know that I am not just, I am not just brought into the, the plan and the purpose of God as a child of God from salvation, and I get these awesome promises, I get to see this spiritual real estate that God has, has given me through those promises, but I can also know that when I am living out the purpose of God in my life, when I am striving to walk in the middle and in the very center of His will, I can know that I am walking in His blessing and protection for what He would have for me. Oh, I don't know when God chooses to call me home. I don't know when God is going to call you home. None of us know that. But I know that His promise and His providence are always related to His purpose. The third word is presence. We know that one well. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Verse number 6, he reminds him of the purpose. Be courageous. You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He's telling, he's reminding him, this is the purpose I have for you, Joshua. Go across the Jordan. Get them in the land. That's the plan. Folks, when you think about it, when you think about it and strip it down, isn't that what every one of us isn't that what every one of us as believers is called to do? Jesus said it a little different in the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things whatsoever I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus told them, I want you to go to a world that is outside of the promises of God, and I want you to lead them into the promises of God. I want you to communicate the truth. I want you to introduce others into this land of promise. Much like Joshua, our leader, is not physically with us. Moses had left. Joshua was a successor. The mantle fell on his shoulders. Jesus in the Great Commission ascended back up to heaven and said, Likewise, he shall return in a similar manner. And he has placed a, a great responsibility and a privilege on the shoulders of his children to go and to lead, to go and to direct, to go and to teach and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they may know what God has given to them. I want to show you the third and final thing. He knew the conditions for success. Ah, the fine print. Don't you, don't you love the fine print? Now, I don't want you to think for a moment that God is trying to pull a trick or on us and say, aha, it's not, it's not the carrot in front of the horse thing. It, it's not one of those things at all where God says, ah, I've got all of this for you at this low introductory offer. And then once we sign on the line, we read the fine print and realize that the interest rate was really a little higher than we thought it was going to be. That's not how God works. God is always up front. And you see here with Joshua, notice verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law. He's not asking him to just be brave. What God is saying is in order to have this successful, victorious life, in order to accomplish this God-honoring mission, 
in order to be the person that I've called you to be, this is what God's saying, be courageous. You know what that means for us today? It doesn't mean that we're just strong. It means that we're strong in the promises of God. It means that we have an active faith in the promises of God. That's the only way he could be courageous. The only way he could truly be brave is to know what God had said. And it's one thing to know what God says and a whole other thing to live your life in faith. An active faith to what God said. I pulled a chair out this morning. It's one thing for me to know there's a chair there. Because watch, there's a chair there. I don't need to sit in the chair in order to know it's there. I see it. But when I come over here, I don't just know by seeing that there's a chair, but I've actually sit down in the chair. And you know what I can tell you? I'm going I'm to just share this with you right now. There's a chair here. There is. You know how I know it? I don't just see it. I'm sitting in it. I think sometimes we have a tendency to use that same type of philosophy with the promises of God. There's a big difference to looking over there and saying, well, yeah, that's the promise of God. I know it up here compared to actually going and sitting down in the promises of God. And I think a lot of times as believers, we might tend to say, yeah, I know what the promises of God are. Many of us. It's not that when we hear a promise of God, it's something new to us. Many of us have been memorizing or hearing or hearing preached or teaching ourselves the very promises of God. But let me tell you, it is worlds apart. Knowing there is a promise and living in that promise are two totally different things. You can know all of the promises of God and still live a very defeated life because you've never exercised faith. You've never sat down in the promises of God. Yeah, when you're going through tough times, we look to the promises. Don't just read the promises. Believe the promises. God doesn't just tell him, I want you to have an active, victorious faith. But God says in verse 7, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. God's saying, don't deviate from the word. Once you hear the promise, once you've heard what I've said and you understand it, then live it out and do not deviate from what the word says. Don't we have a tendency to do that sometimes? We may have a tendency, especially in difficult situations, to think, okay, I know there's a promise for this, and we get that promise, we know it's there, and we may even take the next step and sit down in the chair. We may not just look at the chair and know it's there, but we may actually go over and sit down in the chair of the promise and do what the Word says to do, or exercise our faith in God in that moment. But when we don't see things happening as soon as we want, or maybe the outcome from our obedience is not the way we thought the cards were going to fall, we may get out of the chair and say, you know what, I'm going to try it a different way. I'm going to alter this promise just a little bit. According to this, I understand that the Word of God, the Word of God, is the only way to have a true successful life. Guys, that's not just true for the individual. That is true for the church. 
And it is not just true for the church. I believe it is true for a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I believe that when we deviate and turn from the biblical principles that God says are good in our life as a church, as a country, I believe we are robbing ourselves and, 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 and coming to the place where we can only expect the chastening hand of God. I chose this morning to continue this message instead of a July 4th message because I do believe there are certain aspects that relate to us not just as individuals, but as a church and also as a nation. The last thing. Exercise active, victorious faith. Live a committed life. No deviation from the Word. Let it be your guide. And then thirdly, know the Word. Mouth, mind, hands, feet. Notice what God says in verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Know the Word. Grow in a knowledge of the Word. If this is truly God's book of promises, then God's people who are hungry for Him ought to devour it. We ought to feast on the riches of the Word of God. Why? So we can get a good feeling? No, so we can live an active, victorious life for the purpose and the plan of God through our lives for His glory. You see... We tend sometimes to think of success. We tend to define success on how does this affect me. Obviously, everybody wants to be successful. But God's version of success runs different than a natural person's version of success. Success does not necessarily mean that your name is going to be great. Success, according to God's word, means that his name is going to be great through you. And when I look at the promises of God, what God is saying to Joshua. Joshua, you're going to be successful in the things that I've called you to do. You're going to be a vessel that is going to shine and reflect the glory of God. And I believe until we are able to redefine how we view success, which is not a bank account, which is not the brand of clothing you wear. It is not how big your home is or how small your home is. It is not the employment that you have. Those things do not define biblical success. Biblical success is defined in how well, how well, with how much or how little I have, how well did I magnify the name of Jesus Christ? How much did I make His name known? That's success. Don't buy into a naturalist philosophy that success is about you. It's not. It's not about me. It's about Him. And if we don't redefine what success really is, we're going nowhere spiritually. I believe God wants you to be successful. I believe God wants you to prosper. Not in the things of the world necessarily, but the things that are of Him. He wants you and I to be a billboard 
for his glory and his name. He wants us to be ordinary people that live and serve an extraordinary God. He wants people to look at us and say, I can see nothing in them that brings themselves glory, but I can see much in them that glorifies the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope, hope this morning, as we said, and consider the things that we've heard in relationship to the word of God in Joshua's life. I pray this. I pray that each one of us today may say, God, where am I at? What am I struggling with? What is holding me back from taking that step? What is holding me back from being the person that you are calling me to be? God, am I right now that person? Do you know who your identity is in Christ? Are you a child of God? If so, then let us live like a child of God. Maybe you say, I've never come to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know where I will stand before God at the end of my life. You can know that today. You can walk out of here today knowing you're a child of God. The Bible says that we are separated from God because of our sins. And that the only way we can be made right with Him is to receive the free gift of salvation that He offered to us through the sacrifice of His Son on Calvary, the complete atonement for our sins. And until we recognize our sin and come to Him for salvation, we will never, by faith alone, we will never be able to inherit heaven. And I pray this morning that each one of us, at salvation, baptism, maybe that's the first step of obedience in your life rededication, church membership. Maybe it's a surrender to a call that God has placed on your life. Maybe it's something that's on your heart. And today, you're not just going to know that the promise is there. You're going to take a step to live and to sit in the promises of God. I pray this morning at this invitation that God would work in our hearts, that God would bring about a transformation. The very next verse I didn't read to you, verse, the very next verse outside of our text says, then Joshua went and commanded the people, to go across the Jordan. I pray that there would be action, a faith action from our decisions this morning. Father, I pray as we prepare to respond to your word that, Lord, you would have our hearts. You would change us from the inside out truly. And that, God, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that we will look to the Word of God as our guide, that we will not deviate from it to the best of our ability, that we will live in the promises of God, that we will seek to be a blessing and an honor to You, for that is the purpose for which we were. We thank You and we love You. In Jesus' name, amen.